0: What's up, Jim? What's happening,
1: buddy? Good morning. Yeah. Episode three. It's uh, August August 14th today. Hard to believe it's been three weeks, man. Just to think the earliest that we've recorded your time anyways. You look more spry than me. I'm still waking (laughs) up, even though I've been up for four hours. But yeah. uh, Yeah.
0: Middle of August. Yeah, I just got home from taking Hudson to school. It's the second week of uh, TK. So We've been up. To does this, it always like,
1: start? Does it always start this early? 30
0: Yeah, he starts. Well, I don't know. It seems like. I mean, it seems early, but. Yeah, I mean, I feel well,
1: like when we were kids, we it was always like August twenty sixth rings as the day, like like you know the before Labor Day weekend, and uh it seems like I've been hearing more and more people that are like their kids are already started school. I know like our school doesn't start for a couple of weeks, but.
0: Yeah, you know. yeah, he started on Thursday, so. Uh, how's he been doing with it good yeah it's been good i mean mornings are a little rough for him when we drop him off but today was especially tough because it's the second week so last week it was thursday friday and the first day we got to walk in see his classroom meet his teacher and everything and then the next day they all lined up at the gate and then they took him in and then today he had to walk from the main like the front gate all in the like in the Inside the school, inside the gate, but he had to walk from the gate all the way to his classroom by himself. Dang. Um, so it's especially hard today, I think, for him, but also my wife. So it's tough. But first, yeah, first I
1: forget. It's It's I been know. a long time, you know, with my oldest being 13. I don't remember. School feels just like a formality now. You know what I mean? And the young kids just follow the old ones. I mean, they all hop on the bus in front of my house. You know, all all four of them do well. I guess my oldest takes a different bus earlier, but the other one's just like it ducks in a row, you know, walk down there. And yeah, my hopefully my youngest starts pre-K here in a couple of weeks. We're still waiting to hear if she got into the program or not. So Ah. it's like, I was just talking with my wife about that. It's like, I mean, we kind of got to know, you know what I mean? It's like contingency plans. I mean, at this point it's too late to pivot at all, but you know, Mm -hmm. what can you do? Is your cool. is he going to like a pub, public school or is it private or what? It's
0: a pu- it's a public school um in our neighborhood um but it's cool because my buddy Andrew who I used to work with his mom's actually the preschool teacher there, um uh, so he's, he's gonna, nice. gonna have an in kind of there and then my neighbor Dave um who actually funny story I'll try and go through it real quick so my buddy Dave I got a I got a DM one day on Instagram this was just a few years ago, and oh, uh, he was like hey um uh, you know I've I see this picture of this kid who looks familiar on my feed and he's like, I don't follow really any like friends or family or anything. I just follow people who make cool shit. And uh, he's like, it was weird. And I, I recognized the kid, I recognized the street and you're his dad and I've been following you for years and I had no idea that it was you. And we, him and I had run into each other countless times in the front yard and walking and families. Cause our kids are the same age. Um, and his kids actually in Hudson's class. But Dude, yeah, it was weird. it's crazy because, yeah, we had talked so many times before that, but we'd never talked about like work or the shop or anything. He's got a Tormach in his garage and he had one in there the whole time. So he's out tinkering all the time. He comes over all the time. So he was actually out here last night, uh, stopped by and I was out here probably, like till probably 10 30 last night working on some stuff. And he ended up stopping by, he'll walk around and just go make his rounds and say hi to all the dads and see who's working on what. But it, it was cool.
1: That's some small world shit, man. I mean, honestly, so that happens here in Erie. I mean, everybody knows everybody. It's a town mm. of a hundred thousand in the city. The greater area is like a quarter million. But like that, like seven ways to Kevin Bacon, it's a small world shit happens all the time here. I can't yeah. believe that like the chances of that happening in Anaheim. You know what I mean? Like, what are the chances? Yeah,
0: it was so wild. And uh our kids are not too far apart in age. So they're actually going to the school together. It's their first year at this school together. Um, Sweet, man. So they both ended up getting into the DLI program, that dual language immersion. So it's like 90% Spanish. And, uh, my kid speaks almost no Spanish at all. So it's actually pretty cool for him. He enjoys it and he's learning a lot. So,
1: I mean, is that like a thing where like they become bilingual through school, stuff like that?
0: That's essentially what it's for. Yeah. They're basically just throwing, handy out there. throwing them into the wolves. Yeah. You yeah. know, And, uh, So every year it's like TK, I think is 90% Spanish. And then every year it drops off like 10%. And then at the end, it's mostly English, but okay. So it's pretty cool. Sweet,
1: man. What else did you get into this last week? It's Monday. So, I mean, I was out of the loop this weekend, but did you get into, did you get to working on anything you're hoping to work on or?
0: Yeah. So last week um, I finished up all those rails that I was working on. I think that was like Tuesday or Wednesday. Anyways, delivered all that stuff. I made some extras. I basically just ran out all the bars that I had. Dropped all that stuff off to him. And then I got into, we were talking about making that inspection fixture. So I ended up making that. I made that whole thing. Um, Yeah, actually, I saw that
1: picture, man. That looks super clean.
0: Yeah, so I posted a bunch of pictures on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Um, I think realistically, this indicator is going to be way too fine. It's a 20 millionth Mars super mess, So there's only 2,000 total range on it, which is way too tight um, for the amount of motion that's going to be out at the tip. So I'm most likely going to swap it out. Um, but I made one of these clamps with a eight millimeter bore on it. And then I made another one with a three8 so I can stick any of my other drop indicators and I'll just probably swap them. Um, nice. but it's cool. So it locates on the, this flat face is your primary and then pivot for the secondary. And then it essentially it, there's, you might be able to see it. There's some rotation here. So yep. it rotates until it hits the stop pin. Um, so it rotates until it hits the stop pin which is the tertiary and i think you can see it a little bit in there so yeah um so that's basically just going to simulate the assembled position and then measure all the way out here and i took a dimension from this face this is exactly two inches across so basically one inch from the bottom to the pivot and then i know from the pivot to pivot to the tangency point up here is one inch uh, from the bottom it's one inch 450 thou so I'm just going to make a, a stack of like a gauge block stack, put this on the granite plate, zero the indicator on there, and then I can just put a blade on it. I'll be able to see exactly how much is out there. Um, Do you have then-
1: to uh, – does it have enough travel for you to like lift it up to put the blade on to clear the stop I, pin?
0: I can't I swing it up because it'll hit the clamp, unfortunately, um, because this is the closed position. So essentially it's going to actually be you know this way, open yep. position on this side. Um, it doesn't have enough clearance to travel but i can just pull the pivot out so the the stop pin oh, is oh the stop pin's oh, oh. fairly snug in there um it's not a press fit but the the pivot comes right out and then the blade will come right off so
1: nice that's true all
0: that um so yeah it worked out really well i just interpolated the bores um and walked those in and got them real snug on the pivot uh the actual pivots that i'm going to use and the actual stop pins that i'm going to use uh, so that worked out cool. I put some engraving and stuff on it. It's like total overkill, but
1: got to put all the touches. That's the first thing I noticed when I saw the pictures I was like, Oh yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah. It's so easy. Uh, just having, just even just writing the text infusion, you don't have to explode it or anything. You just select the whole thing and it'll, it'll grab
1: everything. So I have so many templates for doing
0: engraving and the logo and all that.
1: Dude, um, honestly, like, especially if you start to like make more models or like have different sizes, like, or revisions, like, just the machine engraving it while it's in there. I mean, I do that to all my jaw and grave all my jaws I engrave all my fixtures because like, you think you'll know, but when uh. you start rooting through stuff, like being able to quickly look at a glance and like, know exactly what that is. is like such a time saver.
0: Yeah. It you helps know? a lot. I have so many jaws and fixtures and stuff in storage on the other side of the garage. Uh, and I know what most of it is, but there are some where it's like, what angle was that, you know, like for my old uh, jaws that I would do primaries on. I would surface the jaws. I have a master fixture that's parallel. It's all square, but I would surface the soft jaws mm. I would take the master fixture over. Um, How
1: would you establish a Z height if you were tipping?
0: I have. Um, so, you know, chief bub on Instagram. Yep. Uh, he made a little I'm, I'm 99% sure it was him. I, I think it was. So he made a wire EDM little fixture. It's basically a, it's a shelf. It's kind of like a chair. Um, ah,
1: So it sits on that
0: angled corner And then it, it has a flat angle, surface
1: at a known height And you can just probe it
0: It's got a radius Oh So it has, I think it's a half inch diameter on there And the corner of it goes dead nuts Center on the radius So you can sweep the top, you can find the high point on it and get the top, and then you can find the front of it And get the face of it uh, And then the fixture has a machined edge on the side So my X is just on the side And then Z yeah. would be on the top Minus the radius and Uh, Why? is just the
1: front of the front of the blade?
0: Yep. So um, on the actual radius, so it was actually the corner of the fixture um, somewhere out here. But like essentially, if this was if this was kicked up on an angle, I would have my XYZ corner up here, and then the blade would sit on the face. You know, for doing a primary, like you know, kicked up on an angle like that. Um, So that was just for finding that. I'm probably going to do something different um, just because the spindle probe's in here. So. But all that stuff's actually going to be built into the fixture uh, because I'm going to have one main fixture for the datum stuff. That was really my general fixture that was always moving around. And then swedges would get kicked forward. So the blades are actually tipping towards you. And then a half-inch end mill would hit the swedges that way instead of surfacing them.
1: Do you you have have your... uh, I don't know if you want to share it, but do you have your master fixture in Fusion that you can show on the screen for people that are watching on YouTube?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And uh, let me see if... I know I can... um, present this because we've done it a little bit here so I'll turn all this stuff on right now window and then fusion for whatever reason I don't know if this is my graphics card or what um, it creates this kind of big black block right here um, and then also try not to mind too much on my uh, history here this this is a file from 2017 that's been completely hacked together and I'm worried about going all the way back and fixing all this stuff there, I, I think it's going to just fill the yeah. whole thing all the way down
1: um, anybody that's ever like made something conceptually from scratch and revised it 10 times knows that like the dependencies that you develop when you're doing things down and dirty, like you're never going to be able to clean that tree up. It's always going to be a mess. Like it is what it is.
0: Yeah. And since I made this um, after this, like I've always tried to be really good. And if I know someone is going to be going into a file that I'm working on, I make sure all my names are good. I make sure my history is all good. But this one has just been like, such a it's been there's so many revisions like i mean this one's uh 84 infusion which isn't really that high i have some that are in the hundreds but uh this one has all of my tool paths from when i made that one that i sent you for the frames mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm super hesitant to just turn this off and and kill it all and restart it um i might just actually save some of this out because this ended up being like i'll add a bunch of screws in here for a rendering and then I'll leave them in there. I'm like, oh, well, shit, they're already in there. So I might as well leave them. But um, so th- this is basically, I have never showed this anywhere uh, publicly. But this is basically the the full model for the datum. Aside from the inset lock, I got to finish up some of the details here. Uh, but the whole thing is going to essentially look like this. So full length backspacer, you know, quote unquote backspacer, all the way to the edge uh, or all the way to the front, which just clears. Uh, which just clears a blade and then in the closed closed position all of this is completely closed so that's that why awesome. all, that's why all this stuff is so critical to make sure everything is straight uh and centered and flat and parallel and everything so um closed position there and then closed position up here it's almost entirely closed except for where the lock
1: face is uh,
0: so I think what are new, your uh, what yeah. are your
1: clearances on the uh, angles in the back for the blade? Like you have 10,000s, 15,000s of clearance. Everything's ten. The blade and the, I,
0: okay. I basically offset all of the blade surfaces by ten thou. So this is pretty much as far as I could take it out comfortably. Uh, I put a little radius here so you're not swiping your finger. But this doesn't have a flipper tab on it. When I originally made this, um, all I need to do is just take this surface and pull it out. Um, I think it was like three sixteenths or so, and it creates a perfect little flipper tab but I don't want to leave this gap on here in case I do flipper tabs. Um, I may just do a separate, a separate set of frames, but having a flipper tab on here, the, the original plan was basically make all of the blades the same with a flipper tab on them. And then sure. if I don't want a flipper, I'll just cut it off. Um, I don't want to do that in the hardened state though. And I, I'm not a huge fan of flippers on here, um, or just in general, like I have a lot of knives and I end up preferring the windows a lot more than the, than the tab. So, um, yeah. So there's that. I don't have the, the contact sets set on this specific blade. It's on the other one, but um, so there's that. And then if I just turn, I'm going to just turn all this stuff off and I'll show you that fixture. I think I have everything in here. Uh, blade fixture. Here's that. And then uh, blade I'll stick all this stuff on here.
1: Because I think that's something that a lot of people get curious about, right? Is like, fixture design manufacturing approach, you know, it's such a a nuanced thing. And I've always thought that um, the way that you approach this stuff um, has been unique and well thought out and complete. You know, you're like I always have liked that your fixturing looks just as nice as your completed parts, you know, even even if it comes down to your engraving or edge breaking or whatever, you know, so many people in the CNC knife world anyways uh their fixtures are like are pretty down and dirty um obviously you get some guys when you start to enter a production type state where they have to be more repeatable and ex- interchangeable etc but i think that for a lot of guys that are getting like their first haws or whatever they almost have like a sacrificial pallet from ebay with some rigged clamps or bolts that their heads are holding on you know the edges and you're getting deflection in the material where it's raising and bowing in the middle, et cetera, And like, they're more or less using their machines as like uh, glorified water jets that are, you know, accurate without kerf, and then still hand working parts, cutting tabs and all that. And uh, they, you know, I think a lot of people don't have the first idea of how to even approach uh, designing a fixture, um, especially one like this, where you have all your operations, right? You have you know, your bevels on the outside and you're able to cut your criticals on the inside with uh, clearances. You're able to take your blank with your clamps on the one side, push it up against a known edge. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot to that that I think a lot of people don't have the faintest idea how to approach.
0: I mean, you talk to 10 different machinists and you're going to get 10 answers. Uh, And I've gone through a lot of iterations on this stuff and I may change this again too, but I'm going to start with this one. Uh, This is actually kind of the one of the goals for this week is to make this fixture because um, mm-hmm. I, I, did get all of the blades back from me from heat treat, um, which I, I mean, you know, obviously, but I received them. So I have 15 of these blades literally ready to go in this fixture whenever it's done. Um, I have the check fixture ready for the blades. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that if they fit on this fixture properly, they're going to fit in the frames properly. Um, but yeah, for fixture design, like I have this very basic, uh, <laughs> extremely basic general fixture that I have for doing blades. Uh, so it's got a three sixteenths counter bore in the top, and then there's a tap hole in the bottom of it. And it just
1: uses uh precision shoulder bolts, uh, just low head shoulder bolts on here. Um, you ever, do you ever find that with the precision shoulder bolts that they're like a softer material and that an Allen key wants to strip them?
0: Yeah. That's they been, like, them.
1: Yeah. In general, they suck. Um,
0: so what I do, I mean, I have a little Allen that I ended up not this one, but I basically just cut the L off of it and then I stick it in a drill with a low torque setting. And then I just basically run them with a Milwaukee drill until it hits a torque. And I, they do get messed up over time. Um, but overall, I've had more issues with. I actually had some, uh, these all come from McMaster. I've had some that I've gotten that were not even ground. There really? was just in the bag, random ones in there that was there was no grinding done on them. Um, so they just straight up didn't fit at all. And then I've also had some other ones that I've left in the fixture overnight and I went to take them out and the head just popped right off like the thread of the whole thing. So overall they're, they're kind of shitty, but they work really well um, at least for what I need. So it's a thou total tolerance on them on the precision ones. Uh, So I'll just make sure I measure those and then I'll make whatever I'm using, like whatever I'm holding down with that, I'll make that size. Uh, And then after I can open them up, I can ream them or, or lap them or whatever. So I don't worry too much about the size cause they're pretty consistent. I mean, you just find a bunch that match and go from there. Um, so that's what I use kind of for just kind of down and dirty blanking stuff out. That's actually what I blanked all of these blades out on was that specific fixture, uh, cause it's not super critical leaving all the stock on there. That, uh, it didn't really matter too much as far as like exact location. I, I ended up measuring from the bore that I'm using for the pivot to the corner and wrote down those numbers. And then in my sketch uh infusion i match those numbers so i can just probe that corner now it's repeatable Uh, Nice. and uh but yeah so for this fixture here um it's gonna basically just be a rectangle blank that drops in and then the mighty bites are gonna push it up against the edge i've got some clearance here uh, just in case there's any burrs or anything i might actually do a little dovetail here as well and just clearance this whole thing out um But this should help a little bit i've had issues where there's like a if they uh shear the material then there's a raised edge on it uh this should help with that a little bit but also just with chips and stuff there's some flushing and uh, my light already died um and then so this one's really just going to be to do these two holes that's the only thing i'm even going to do in this fixture Uh, i could do them in a vise. that's usually how i do them i just drop them in a in a vice um, down on parallels or into machine soft jaws and then do these holes. Uh, But this having one contained thing that I can just drop this whole entire fixture into JAWS is going to be a lot easier for me. So it does the two holes, then it moves over here. It holds on the two holes. Uh, And this one, I'm most likely going to uh, slot this one here because this one's really just the tertiary. So I'll create a sketch that's from the center line out and then just do like a probably a 15 or 30 thou slot. so the whole location is not super critical, even though it's going to be accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse me, you might have to take over for a minute.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'll try and cut that okay. out. Um, <laughs> you don't got to. Don't worry about. It. Hey, man, coughing happens, you know, especially when you're talking.
0: So, <laughs> I'll try and cut that out. So I'll, I'll have this one as a slot, um, which I've done before in fixed blades. And then, uh, all the location can be really tight off of the pivot hole as your secondary. You got some cast brawler, dude. Oh, good. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and then, so it's a primary down on the face and then secondary for the board and then tertiary for this tab hole. So this one here, will do all of the roughing for the stop pin track, rough out the window, rough out the profile, um, I've gone back and forth on whether I want a water jet or not. Um, I don't like the cost of water jet and the quality is typically sucks too. Um, and with how fast it is to rough this stuff out with like a quarter inch in mill, it's not worth it in my opinion to really buy water jet blanks because it's way easier to just fixture on a straight edge. And then I could do any size or shape or have the creativity to do whatever on that.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Yoni, for example, I mean, He just buys like ground bars that are like, cause I buy, you know, 24 by 36 inch sheets, have blanks jetted out. And he's kind of like, ah, fuck that. I'm just going to buy two inch wide bars. I don't really care about loss. I care about repeatability of like the process and he just blanks them out. You know, you could more or less buy stuff like that, whack it to length and just be good to go. You know I mean? Exactly.
0: That's the plan. So this one here I think is an inch and a half. Um, and, uh, most of the time it comes, it comes oversized, at least from what I've purchased in the past. I can drop this down to like one inch, 400. And then mm-hmm. I know for sure if I buy one inch, 500 material, uh, I can just stack a bunch of them in the vice and face them off. So they're all consistent. Uh, yep. I don't mind. <clears throat> I don't mind qualifying all the material that way because uh, it'll give you both like nice-
1: sides of it. I love like having precisionly prepped material because it just takes out all the guests work, but. When I'm going through it, like I wouldn't mind doing it for 15 of them, but to sit there and if you get to a point where you're doing 20, 30, 40, 50 of these a month, you know, and it's like, that just becomes a step that I like begin to dread. You know, it's like, how can I eliminate yeah. having to do this myself? For sure. That's kind of where I'm at with my titanium right
0: now. <coughs> Shit. I'm sorry. Um, the titanium takes so freaking long to cut. Cause it's almost 300 thou and it's six inch by 12 inch. So I'm saw cutting. I have it laying flat to cut through so it gets it real straight. Um, I stood one up, but when I cut it, it just walked a bunch. So I don't really want to do that. Plus, it's really hard on the blade because it's just slamming on the the material six inches up, and it's just deflecting. Yeah, breaking
1: teeth like crazy, dulling them and breaking them.
0: So I don't really want to do it that way, but uh, it's taking too long doing it flat. So I might just kind of babysit it and stand them up and walk through them all um, for all the frames. So... Last week after I finished this check fixture, I know we had talked about this a bit. um, I ended up doing it anyways. (laughs) I cut the pocket clips. (laughs) So it was just the first op. The second op is going to be a little bit more time consuming because this, like right here, I just had all of this stuff laid out already. Um, Real quick, I kind of jumped around a little bit. This is going to finish all the outside, finish the windows, finish the stopping tracks and the champers. And then this side is basically going to just finish the champers on the second side. I yep. was thinking about doing a double angle tool on the bottom to do that. And then eliminating this fixture here or this whole spot right here, but double angle tools are a lot more expensive than chamfer tools. Um, they take a little bit more time to dial in. Uh, and I don't want to do that on heat treated or the hardened blades. Yep. Plus I may rough this side. Um, uh, but I just don't want to mess too much with, uh, having undercut tools on here just because of the cost and, and, time and stuff this is really simple to just do you know you could surface this with the bullnose like we talked about or get a real nice chamfer tool and hit that um and then the sides are for primaries so these are kicked up on an angle the primary is vertical Um, and then one of the more critical spots on it is the actual plunge where the plunge starts Um, this is actually what's vertical so the blade is slightly tipped you know it's slightly tipped a little bit um, because this is an arc there's a huge arc and then a tighter arc here uh, it can't go straight across because then the end mill can't hit this, you know, unless you're also tipping in the fifth axis, um, on the machine. <clears throat> so this is a simple three axis fixture. It's doing all of this. Uh, this is just a real simple, um, sketch on the side. We've, did my mouse just die too? No way. <laughs> <laughs> I charge my headphones, I charge my lights, I charge all that stuff. But apparently that, that key light, I have to keep plugged in. Um, so this is just a simple rectangle uh, on an angle. And then it's a sweep, a parallel sweep, and then a revolver right here for the plunge. Uh, I'll dive into some of the CAD at some point, maybe a later episode. And then this side is the same thing. It's just basically mirrored over. So it does the other side. So really, I could just do these two holes and then I could stick it right here and do the primaries i don't need to do any of these other ones first i could yeah i think my mouse just died i can stick it um onto these fixtures and do the primaries and then do the flat stuff too which also works it really doesn't matter what the order is in any of this as long as this one is done after this one because it's chamfering Mm -hmm. and everything has to be done obviously after this one so it's 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 very universal um yeah, so I, I finished up the check fixture and then I jumped on these on the pocket clips. Um
1: I'm gonna kill this right now because this is at this point progress is progress, I think. You know what I mean? Getting anything yeah. done. We're like within a month of like I don't know, I'll be leaving a month from today pretty much to head down there. The show's on <laughs> Sunday the 16th. I'm planning on leaving on Friday the 14th. It's on uh, 17th. Is it the 17th?
0: It's the seventeenth.
1: I've been saying the sixteenth this whole time. Oops. Yeah,
0: I think this Sunday's the Sunday is the seventeenth. Just so you're not. No, you're probably.
1: Here. No, you're probably right. Either <laughs> way, I'll be leaving on. I'll be leaving on Friday. That's the bottom line. Are you um, gonna drive? Oh yeah, it's it's not far for me. It's yeah, you're right. Sunday the seventeenth. Uh, yeah, it's only like five hours for me. Um, so there's not a whole lot of shows that I can drive to um kentucky is like six hours it's uh, in lexington in december um i've driven to blade before but that's like a 12-hour drive um and so yeah i'm taking full advantage of being able to drive to this one because i actually did just confirm i'm going to be flying to la actually in De- uh, november uh for the california custom knife show and friday night blade affair so i'll be out there that way so definitely driving for this one. It's also nice not having to check a bag with knives and all the rigmarole that you go through, you know,
0: that's what I'm sketched out about. Uh, I mean, I'm only bringing as long as all these are good. I'm only bringing 15, but I'm going to try and bring a bunch of slingshots and some other stuff too. And I'm just like sweating, checking it and the shipping ge- it and everything. And the dirty. cheat code
1: is that everybody says, man, is just check a firearm.
0: Yep. And that's kind of what a- I'm too. I mean, uh, just do that. And then you have to check it in. You have to sign it out. Um, uh, You have to lock it with your own lock that TSA can't open. Uh, So yeah, it's definitely a cheat code. Something that I'm thinking about too. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm going to just pack everything in my Pelican case that I used to use for doing all my service stuff when I was at Yamazen. So that'll that'll
1: work out good. Yeah. I was surprised at how cheap plane tickets are into LAX. Like it's like 175 bucks for me to fly out. Meanwhile, I'm in a wedding in Montana in the middle of October And that's like an $800 plane ticket, you know, and it's like, I guess it matters where you're going at the end of the day. The volume in and out of Southern California is just high. But um, yeah, it sounds like you had a good week. I mean, I think you have the getting that fixture off the ground this week is good. Pocket clips making progress is good. Stock material, good.
0: Um, the, The pocket clip stuff, I did it because I didn't have really any time out here this weekend um and when I did it, it was real minimal we were out at birthday parties and stuff so this I could just basically it was a very simple program like I already had most of this stuff done anyways so I saw cut three pieces it was just uh, a couple cuts and then throw it in on the Talon jaws there's no special fixturing or anything and it's tools that I already have in there so I literally just programmed it and went inside I came oh, back no, out I man. It. I came back out and I swapped it and then these literally How I long- do these, this is like an hour and change hour and a half but it's surfacing, it's surfacing with an eighth-inch ball. Uh, there's some radii and stuff in there that are pretty tight. and So it's basically... I'll send you some pictures. I'll probably post a couple pictures today uh, or sometime this week. But once it's done, then I do these slots through it. It just snaps apart. So they literally just snap right off. Um, like I've got a couple here that... So it makes it really easy. They just snap apart, and then I can drop these down into jaws. Uh, I was going to... Put these into soft jaws because I on the on the original ones I didn't have this huge chamfer on here. Oh, I don't
1: know. Be able to scan it, but there's a big yep, chamfer, on now.
0: <clears throat> so I added that. Looks nice. There's still there's still thanks. Man. There's still profile around the whole thing, so I should be able to grab in soft jaws just like that. Grab all the way to the top, and then uh just basically deck off the carrier and chamfer it, and do the counterboard here. The for the pivot. It's using easy a pivot mode. head, like a quarter inch diameter. It's easy. So uh, this wasn't a lot of hands on time. It was really just I need to try and utilize some time out here, even though I'm not going to sure. be out here. And this was really easy. It's a lot easier to just knock these out um, than try and dial
1: in frames and stuff. And so I mean, it decreases the anxiety whenever you have anything going. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it feels like you're making some kind of progress or like you at least have a plan, even if it's not as optimal as maybe you would hope. I mean, again, time is time. So you yeah. save some
0: for sure. And I could focus this week on doing frames or, or the blades. So either yeah. way, I
1: mean, we're, you got your month. I mean, I'm starting to plan my schedule. Now I'm wrapping up uh, the Mac project for August, prepping to ship everything tomorrow. I just have a handful of components left to make today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm getting my stuff assembled and then I'm switching gears over to, you know, September Mac stuff in a limited fashion and uh, prepping for the show. So all, all of my material composites that I ordered for, frames for the show are here and trying to plan out fancy build stuff. I actually have a a bunch of Magna cut stuff coming back from double disc today, like 17 transient blades and a bunch of other parts. Uh, They emailed me on Friday and said that stuff was shipping. Um, So I'll be able to kind of start to allocate my, uh, my parts list and figure out what I need to make. But it's, you know, this month is going to peel off fast. You know, we got to take advantage of every day that we can. That's for sure. I was uh, talking yesterday with a buddy of mine who, does construction and you know got behind on something and it's just funny how when you're dedicatedly working every day you know a month can peel off like a week you know it's just it's insane the passage of time um but yeah i had a good week last night i or a good week last week i ended up getting everything done that i expected to um right now i'm literally finishing up the last of the uh, mac ultimatum blades and then all the components for those are done and I have to do um, the pocket clips for the Max Stray, and then and that's it, I'm done with everything for this month. So I'm gonna try and knock that stuff out today. I can even run pocket clips tomorrow while I'm assembling, cause it's not a part of the component assembly that I actually do. So, and that's like a nice like 20 minute or, you know, program or whatever for completed parts and jaws. So that's an easy one to keep running while I'm sizing hardware and putting stuff together. So I may just end up doing nice. that. Um, and yeah, I'm actually heading out of town this weekend. Um, a buddy of mine, my buddy, who's, I'm his best man, in his wedding is coming in. We're going uh, his bachelor party slash like our bro camp weekend that we do every year. Um, so he's flying in with a buddy, his dad and his brother, driving up from Pittsburgh area. And we got like 10 guys that are going to be rolling out to camp for three and a half days. And then uh, his fiance is actually flying in from Montana to his hometown, which is like an hour south of here. So on Sunday afternoon... I'm going to run down there and uh, meet his fiance, So I'm not meeting her, you know, two days before their wedding for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, after pretty much Wednesday, I'm out of commission for the rest of the week. So really trying to jam on the stuff that I have sitting here. So I'm not feeling anxious, like having not got something done when I'm obligated to head out of time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty simple week for me. Hopefully you do uh, are a little more productive than I'll be drinking, you know, beers and sitting in the sun for four days. No, it sounds good. I haven't been camping since like 2017. Really?
0: That a, yeah, that was the last time I camped. And the last time, I think it was 17. And uh, yeah, we went out, camped, shot. And uh, there's a river a couple hours north. It's pretty sweet. So definitely need nice, to do man. That.
1: This, I mean, this would hardly be considered camping, I guess. You know, My family's got a place. My grandpa owns a spot. It's like 50 acres. Right on the Pennsylvania uh, New York state line. We're on the Pennsylvania side of the state line, but it is on State Line Road, and uh, they got a, house, a small house on there with like an upstairs bunk room that has, you know, ten beds in it. So we have all the mm-hmm. amenities. you be able to shower and stuff. It's rustic, but it's comfortable. And uh, you know, we're not pitch. I mean, some guys maybe will pitch tents, but you know, that's not my bag. I like a bed.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's how we we always do it with the tent. <clears throat> we're just doing like straight primitive camping yeah no uh, thanks
1: i guess thanks. you can call it gl- glamping glamping is what i like to do but, <laughs> yeah, bring uh, a shovel and dog and so sweet man so yeah. i mean i guess we, that kind of covers what we got into this last week um mm-hmm. did you want to pop in and pick a couple more questions to kind of chat about
0: yeah we could check some out um i didn't post anything uh, this week about it because it's uh i mean it is kind of a lot of work which i kind of figured was going to
1: happen um
0: it's definitely. I guess the uh, one,
1: the one you actually kind of touch base on a little bit. I guess for a beginner pallet and fixture systems, what yeah. uh, are there some philosophy behind the different schools of thought? I think a lot of it has to do with uh, yeah. um, what you're prepared to spend. You know, because like for mm-hmm. you, you have a few six inch Kurt vices, and like you want to make fixtures that you can hold in your jaws so that it's in and out. You know, as where I'm running Pearson pallet system and orange vices and. You know, getting into any new work holding system is just expensive, you know, yeah. so you really have to think about, you know, not just what's good for this job, but how do I want to run everything going forward and what's mm-hmm. going to be the most versatile for me? I think in a lot of ways, the way you're doing it, you know, having regular conventional vices that you can do vice jobs for, them, but that are high enough quality that like to be able to grip on a piece of square aluminum, and like accurately locate a fixture, you know whether it's flatness or um or whatever. Like I think that's a pretty versatile way to do it. I know a lot of guys. It's really not that much different than um I think. Like having the original like orange vices that had their dovetail pallets. I mean, more or less those dovetail pallets are just aluminum blocks from being held in the vice, just a little bit more efficiently, you know. Yeah. And there's a, there are a lot of more options popping out on the market right now. And I think that the other thing that people have to consider is just the work envelope that they have to work with, you know what I mean? Like with a lot of people buying these smaller Haas machines or Tormox, you know, I think you have, what, 12 by 16 in like a regular mini mill. It's like in X, I mean, you really don't, you can maybe fit one vice and one mini pallet system at most, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that, you know, those schools of thought just have to revolve around what's practical for what you have and what you're trying to do
0: yeah like right now i'm trying to keep everything real tight just because um uh, i'm not selling any of these yet so I'm trying to use what i have but i i got the kurt vices when i got the Haws. uh i like them i really do like the Kurts. um i got rid of all of my orange stuff <clears throat> and uh i i like these single station Kurts. uh they're very universal uh and uh they're cheap too i mean they were like 700 bucks six or 700 bucks each. what do
1: you have what is it the dx6 is that what it's called
0: they're they're the newest dx6s um so the rear fixed jaw is actually uh cast it's a single piece cast so the bed and the rear fixed jaw not the actual jaw plate itself but the jaw carrier
1: isn't nice so it doesn't it doesn't ride (laughs) on the, the carrier screw yeah, it's not
0: bolted. Like all the old ones you see, they're bolted from the bottom or they were bolted from the top um, yep. or some are located from pins. And if they're not really tight, things t- tend to move around. So that's an issue that some of these, like some vices that are like very universal, they're locating on pins with things moved or they they move around a little bit. or uh, Over time, so, they can get clapped
1: out. as where you don't have to exactly. worry about that anymore.
0: I don't have to worry about that at all. It's all single piece. Um, they revise these DX sixes a lot to where there's a lot of chip evacuation in the bottom. So I've had them in here almost a year and I've never had to take them apart. Literally really? just, yeah. Just hose on the machine and just blast through all around the screw and through the casting and all the chips just flush right out. Um, so there's no, now that, you, right now,
1: now, now that you've, you know, you bought those with the cause, <laughs> you were kind of doing everything, but if you were to move to a production type of uh, workflow for the datum what do you think would be your ideal setup in the vf2 if you were still just going to have one machine i think
0: i'm still going to keep these vices in here um uh, the only thing that i would want to change is maybe getting the newest kurt dual stations um i forget the new name they haven't really like released i haven't seen anybody have them yet um but they're dual stations they have integrated CarveSmart smart kurt bot carve smart,
1: bought, uh, carve smart. Oh, okay so they
0: got the actual carve smart integrated into the jaws um yeah, you can run them as single station, dual station. Uh, they look really nice. So <clears throat> if anything changes, I'll probably just end up getting those. But for now, the single stations work great. And then just building these little pallets so they can drop into either a machine set of JAWS uh, or parallels with like a parallel keeper kind of thing. So it's real universal, but still doing slide work and still occasionally doing uh, some job shop stuff if it, if it makes sense or it fits. Uh, so I want to have this as universal as possible in here i mean that was kind of one reason with going with the vf2 yt versus something like a speedio i mean obviously cost is a huge concern Uh, this was noticeably cheaper than a speedio but also this has a 40 taper on it Um, 30 taper is great but there are obvious limitations to it so i wanted really to just have a truck versus like you know, a nice little sports, sports car, car kind of thing. So this is for me personally, this is a lot more universal machine. Uh, even though speedios great, they make great kind of job shop machines. If you're doing the right parts, doing knife parts are perfect for that, you know, but, but doing some of these huge, you know, not huge, huge, but for me, big hog outs, you know, where you've got like a three and a half inch or four inch length of cut with a three quarter inch in mill. <clears throat> I'm personally not
1: going to want to do that on a
0: speedio, um, I don't so, think most people do, I mean, unless
1: your name's Joe Kozlowski, making yeah. giant parts of his speedio. <laughs> the shit, the jobs he takes on, and sometimes I'm like, I can't even believe. I mean, he likes to challenge himself, and one thing you can say about him is he always wins, man. He's bullheaded, yeah, and he'll put the time in, and he figures it out. But some of the stuff yeah. that he sends me pictures of that he's working on, I'm just like, yeah, that would have been a hard pass for me. <laughs> yeah, I've got no interest in that. There's little stuff that still comes in here where it's like,
0: Hey, can you do this for me? And I, I know I can knock it out easy, but getting on the knife stuff, I remember how much I enjoy doing this stuff and working on my own stuff and revising and dialing in my own process. I don't want to just do that from scratch every time for a new job, even though it's fun, you learn a lot.
1: Um, I just, I don't enjoy it at all anymore. I mean, when you made so, a career out of doing it that way, I think about all the time. I've done so much prototyping, so many one-off parts. And like, I. there are days where you just like, you want to be busy, but a lot of the times, like, I don't have any interest in going back and doing that, you know. It's just a lot of effort for like nominal or marginal return, you know. It's yeah, really not getting your time back, money back out of it for the time you're spending or the brain honestly, the brain power, you know, like I factor that in a lot these days, which is like if I have a, a lot of consecutive days of heavy thinking out here, like it affects how much of myself I can give to my family or the people outside of here. And like some days I just want to come in and like do what I've spent a lot of time getting dialed in so that I can be the best version of myself when I'm outside of the shop. You know, it takes a very special person to be able to be cognizant of, you know, in both of those situations and be excellent. And I am not that guy. I for sure leave here tapped and they get the brunt of it on the outside, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough balance for sure. I mean, that's definitely what's nice about not going to like a day job anymore. Uh, Just coming out here and, like you said, it's, it's nice because we're here with the family, but it's also tough sometimes because we're here with the family. So there's a lot of distractions, but I think the reward is definitely worth it for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's not, not a doubt in my mind that it is, but um, yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, what's another one we can chat about here? Um, I guess you could talk about just the basic, you know, do you find value in the trade schools for machining? Is there enough information out there? I mean, um, I think that there's a big shift right now back to like the blue collar way of life in general, with the cost of higher education being so ridiculous, uh, you know, and people are becoming aware of what that debt ceiling looks like for them in their adult life. Something that I think 20 years ago when we were getting out of high school, that like none of that stuff was ever talked about with us. And so you're seeing people just want to make money uh, right out of the gate, Um, being in like a portion of the Rust Belt. And, um, you know, I guess, they would consider my area of Pennsylvania, like the tool and die capital of the United States. Like at least it was at one time. Um, they have te- like the vocational schools from that kids can go to for, during high school that are, I think are really improving with their offerings. Like I went to a like a public private high school that definitely yeah. was focused on highest college, college admissions possible and we didn't have anything vocational available to us. Um, but I live right here by the, like in my township, um, the big high school is literally like 500 yards from me and they have half a dozen or 10 Haas machines in there. Now, um, UMCs and VF twos and st 20 ys they have like a whole program now dedicated to getting kids hands on experience with like manufacturing, um, which is something that I think they just got the grant for those machines in the last few years. And, uh, I know there's another like manufacturing lab at the big city high school, which is, you know, 10 minutes from here. And they have a similar complement of machines. Um, and then with that, there are some programs, uh, you know, like two year associates or like one year, like courses where they'll teach you basic manual machining uh, and some CNC stuff. But I think for what you pay for that, I think it's 20 or 25 or $30,000 for a year or 18 months or two years or whatever. I don't know if you would agree with me or not. The foundational principles are interesting, but like manufacturing is like anything else becoming so niche. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where like I, I remember during my tool and die apprenticeship, like the, des- the, des- the desire was that like a person would be so well rounded that they could saw cut the steel, mill the parts up soft in a bridge port or on a CNC. Stuff gets heat treated. They could surface grind it. Then they could make the electrodes to do the EDM work and they could do whatever grinding was necessary, et cetera, start to finish. And like, I watched over the nearly 15 years that I was doing that, that it's like, no, somewhere in your apprenticeship, you find something you're really good at and you're just going to specialize in that thing. And so Mm -hmm. I think that like, no matter what kind of foundation you're getting from these schools, these programs, like nothing beats an on the job apprenticeship. If you're able to get something traditional, because like you're going to get the day in and day out training that like, you're just not able to get it at a a trade school. So, yeah,
0: I would I went to school uh, like CAD class in high school and I did that for a while a couple years and then I took a machine shop class at night and that was all manual machining it started getting into CNC towards the end um, and then I graduated high school and then I ended up getting a job at an aerospace shop like right out of high school and I learned more at that shop I feel like than I ever did um, anywhere else except for maybe a couple shops ago the big aerospace shop I learned a lot there there's really really good guys there. Um, plus I was in a different position. I was, I wasn't really doing a lot of operating stuff when I was there. So you were was in a, in a position to learn. Like that's the whole ex- reason you were there. Exactly. Take what yeah, you can actually, and improve. Yeah. I was actually challenged a lot there. So that was good. But I think now if you're getting into machining, really anything now it's, there's no, it's, it's never been easier to learn something than it is right now. Um, uh, I think you're going to get a lot of really good practical, uh, experience working in a good shop with good people but getting the basics and like learning how to just operate machines and probe and program and use infusion or whatever there's so much good information out there now and youtube and saunders and guys like that that are actually putting out really good educational content uh, that stuff did not exist when i was getting into it so yeah
1: certainly not man and like even like the like availability of like free good software you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like wasn't there i mean it's been yeah 16 years or whatever since i started and like you know i'm still running creo now which is what i ran at my last job and like it's like base license and like a manufacturing three access manufacturing package like four thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. you know like that's really hard to justify um if you're not making money on that and like i probably should switch over to fusion i've just like you did what were you on were you on Gibbs cam or what were you on before fusion no
0: so I went out when I had my shop when I first started my shop with the Fidal I was on surf cam
1: because right. I was
0: using surf cam at the mold shop so I basically just started I was using surf cam and solidworks at that point I remember that
1: I remember that summer you had like you were just like you just forced yourself to like transition cold turkey like it was like everything I'm doing going forward is in fusion. And it, like six months later, you were as proficient as you needed to be. But I remember being so envious of like, you just taking the plunge. And that's something that I've wanted to do. Just one fusion integrates so well with pause stuff. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can't probe tool breakage detection or I can't program tool breakage detection in Creo for the Oz, you know, I can't program probing. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have that like surface level integration. That's like, built right into that. I mean, they figure like, Hey, fusion first machines, of Haas, like let's make this easy on you guys. You know, there's small things like that that I really wish that I could do. And I really need to bite the bullet and make the transition.
0: Yeah. There were some really good videos, um, from Lars at Autodesk that he posted. And it was like a five part series of like introduction to fusion and cam. And I just watched that. And I'm like, all this stuff makes sense. It's all the same really. It's just a different user
1: interface. Uh
0: that's from. honestly what
1: it comes down to, right, is like, if you know what you want it to do and you know how you want it to do it, it's like, okay, well, where are the sequences? What does this program call them? Mm-hmm. Where are the parameters that I want to change? How, what does this call them? You know, and then how do I post a program out? You know, it's exactly. really not that big of a deal. You know, and even though, like, the, on the CAD side, like, I've done a bunch of CAD infusion and, like, yeah, things maybe rotate a little bit differently or buttons are in different locations, but the same mm-hmm. basic principles are there, you know? Exactly. How, do you sketch? How do you sketch? How do you extrude, revolve, sweep, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there is going to inherently be a need for more offerings as far as schooling and training go. Just because you're going to have more and more people that as the as the baby boomers die off and like the, the traditional apprenticeship path diminishes. Yeah. People are new to the trade are not going to have the same pathway available to them. You know, like I knew people that introduced me to the idea of an apprenticeship because that's what they did in their generation. But as that falls off or as those programs diminish, like people are going to have to, I think, go to a school that then funnels them into these jobs because that's just how people are traditionally used to moving through life. I have to go from high school to another school and then that place will pretty much place me somewhere that I'm going to then work, which if you don't have that infrastructure in place, like it won't work that way. So I think we will see a rise in training opportunities, but, uh, how long that takes, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. We'll see. I think everybody's just going to YouTube
1: university now. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, the only problem with that is you have to have the capital to buy a piece of equipment and have a place to put it and to be able to to use it. You know what I mean? We take for granted that, machine tools now are easier to buy than they ever have been, I think. And like, there's more low level offerings than there ever have been too. Like, or you could go the Alex Steingraber route of spending a hundred grand on a speedio and putting it in a shop with no idea what you're doing and making it work. You know, like well, some people don't, don't have the cojones to do that. Yeah. But he's killing it now too. So. Yeah. I was just talking with him last night. Um, actually, because I had actually hit him up, you know, he posted a story about the, what he was bringing to the maker syndicate, like a lot of knives. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of like coming from like the background of like most of these knife shows that you go to, most of the handmade guys are bringing five to 10 knives at the most. Mm -hmm. And there's like a pretty similar offering quantity wise. And like, you see the show we're going to, I feel like for a 20 or 25 guy show, there's going to be more knives available at this show than like a hundred person, normal vendor regular knife show just because most of it's just a lot of cnc guys there's gonna be a lot more quantity and i kind of reached out to him and it was like like the actual quick math i did was like hey if there's like 600 people here coming to the show and each one has the budget to buy one knife and you're bringing how many you are and and oz is bringing how many he is like you guys just soaked up like 30 percent of the budget for the show you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh and then you know as he and i were kind of conversing about it i realized like Maybe the idea of a show where scarcity is not a problem is like actually enticing to people because they Mm -hmm. don't pay all this money to fly or drive to a show and stay there to enter all these lottos and then not get drawn and then leave with nothing. Sure. They get the experience of meeting the makers and being able to handle the work and stuff. But like, would it be way cooler as like a customer to be able to walk into a show and be able to get almost any knife that you want from these makers that you like? Like maybe I'm looking at this completely wrong. And like, mm-hmm. maybe there's a place like the exclusivity, you know, in some ways drives demand, but on the same token availability beats exclusivity every time. I think because eventually these people are going to get, these customers get frustrated that they're not going to win anything and they'll just switch to what's available and they'll enjoy it because they have it in their hands, mm-hmm. you know, and like maybe there's a, 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 a common ground to find between, and that's actually, I'm moving towards that right now. So like I am trying very hard in the next like month or two to have weekly offerings available of my own work, to have like five to 10 transients a week that I'm able to offer via lotto or to my email list or whatever to my people. And they're not going to be crazy fancy. They're just going to be a user configuration that just allows people to experience my work, which still leaves me room to make high-end crazy custom stuff for shows or auctions or whatever I decide to do, but I'm kind of trying to take a page out of these other guys book, which is like, why don't you just make more knives and let people let your business grow because people are experiencing your work, not because they can't get it and they're talking about it. So hmm. I appreciated the conversation he and I had. It kind of made me take a step back and like revisit my perspective a little bit. I actually hit him up and I was like, I actually feel like I'm kind of being a douchebag gatekeeper right now. It's like, <laughs> this is your first show and you've been doing really well but like, that's not how shows are done. And then like realizing that, like, well, actually I talked to my wife about it. I was like, Hey, I kind of had this conversation and she was like, why do you even care about that? Like, why did you even talk to him about it? Like, well, he was talking about it in the story and I was just feeling away and I just had a conversation about it. But, you know, I just want to see everybody win, you know, that's kind of where, where I, my heart lies with it. I know that my six knives are going to sell no matter what I do. Your 15 knives are going to sell no matter what. Cause like, You've been at this for a while and people st- are stoked on your work. But at the end of the day, everybody has the opportunity to do this however they want. And maybe hmm. we can learn something new from, you know, the way that other people do things. I get kind of closed minded and I get tunnel vision sometimes that like my way is the right way. And I'm constantly having to take a step back and realizing that like there's a lo- there's a thousand ways to skin a cat and a lot of people that are doing stuff better than me. And what can I take away from like the success that they're having, you know?
0: Hmm. No, it will be cool. I, am excited to talk, talk to everybody. Like I talked to most of the guys that are going, it seems like, but actually in person and handle some stuff and really it's different face to face on this with a camera. It's different than, you know, texting obviously, or even just a quick phone call.
1: hundred percent, so. man. It's, it's cool to be able to have these experiences from 3000 miles apart, you know, and that's the one thing I always garnered from these shows was, uh, I always leave them stoked. I always leave them with like things that I can manipulate or change based on like seeing what works in other people's work and like, Oh man, I never thought about that or this, That's stuff is something I can improve, blah, blah, blah. And if you're sitting in a four walled box <coughs> all day, every day, just making your own stuff kind of cloistered, like you're probably going to be a bit more stagnant than you could be. If you just went out into the world with your yeah. peers and experienced sure. other people's offerings, you know? Yeah, for sure. So Cool, man. I mean, do you want to touch base on like what you got in the week ahead? I know I kind of, uh, I kind of uh, mentioned that I'm pretty much out of the loop this week. And, uh, and I know we're getting towards our hour cutoff and you have something Mm -hmm. going on here shortly. So I, you know, you have any thoughts on what your week looks like or?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to, I know there's a gardener somewhere. I can hear, um, I'm trying to figure out, so I got to do a little bit more modeling on my lock side. Cause I, I'm uh-huh. doing the inset lock. I've been charging my mouse this whole time. I'm going to um, share this again here real quick. Uh, so I've been, um, going back and forth a bit on how I'm going to, uh, do the lock ins like the inset lock. So mm-hmm. I still have some refinement to do up in this area. Uh, never mind that. I know that's not machinable. Uh, so I, I had it short originally, like the lock relief is going to be somewhere around here. Um, if the, being super long, obviously is not going
1: to be a, the greatest lock wire. I don't think um, two and a half inches from the, from the relief to the lock face is usually I think a pretty good number.
0: That's about where I have it too. Uh, I still have the original sketch with the dimensions and stuff there. My original lock relief was actually right in this radius right here. Oh, I remember it um, well. So this is really thick. So I think even if I'm going to put some pocketing in here to lighten it up, but so the the thought behind this was basically I have a pivot going through here um, for obvious reasons, and then I'm using another pivot through this whole uh, assembly in the back. This pocket was just quickly put in here, so it's not going to be all the way through to the pocket clip. Um, But essentially what's going to happen is This screw is going to tighten on the pivot. It's going to tighten the pocket clip to this frame, and then it's going to squeeze into the other frame. Um, So it's just going to sandwich that whole construction there. Now the frames don't need any threads. The blades obviously don't have any threads. I don't need to put threads in any parts on any of this stuff um, with this type of assembly. So I need to modify this a little bit so it doesn't go all the way through. But I was thinking of using the pivot to just capture the lock bar so that I don't have to put any screws in here.
1: I don't want to the just have keeping, keeping your, uh, keeping your, the tolerance, the pocket taller wall tolerance pretty tight so that there's no room for the lock bar to shuck at all. Exactly. I got to keep it real
0: tight back here and then relieve in a little yeah. bit of so that this all floats in here and then stick the relief all the way up here. Uh, yep. I'm thinking that if I make the lock bar, maybe one or two thou thicker than the depth of this pocket, uh, when I sandwich the whole thing, it should bind it in place as well. Uh, as well as the, being only,
1: uh, the only thing I would consider is that, like, if I'm just your, worried relief, about your relief is an inch further forward, mm-hmm. it's going to bend at the relief, but it's still going to bend a bit going further backwards. You know, I can't, I want to touch the screen so people can see yeah. me, but I can't, you know, it's like you're still going to have like an inch behind the relief before it gets captured between mm-hmm. the uh, integrated backspace or where it can still bend a little bit. You know, it's not like it's going to just stay still there. I don't know if you need to, like, do have to have one screw that's like right behind where the relief is cut to make sure that it only bends, but it's internal. So you wouldn't see it. You know, mm-hmm. you'd have a counter bore or whatever in the liner itself. And then you probably have enough meat to tap the frame, but, um, it's just
0: so thin right here. Like this section right here is only 50 thou.
1: Oh yeah. So, How um, thick are you going to make your liners?
0: It's going to be uh, at the relief. It's going to be about 40 thou. Uh, and then the rest of the liner, I think I have enough room to do like fifty or sixty thou. This has only got fifty right here. Um, there's another ten thou that I could use a little bit where the gap is from the the bearing, uh, or I could just go deeper with this pocket too. The only reason I don't want to go any deeper is because I don't want to mess with this thin yeah, section. Yeah, you right have
1: there. your your lead in hitting that sharp edge, and you don't want to bare, And I don't even have a chamfer or any edge breaks right there. So um, yeah, you don't have a radius on the bottom of the lead in or a chamfer on the bottom of the pocket
0: yeah this pocket's not finalized um so I, right here it's about 50 thou uh, i could make it thicker in the back and then relieve just the front of it so it's only thin where the actual section that pops out for your thumb is and then the rest of it's thicker uh but i think with how the lock bar is going to bend up in the front you know it's going to actually be bent it's going to be bent up you know yep. at the relief and then captured way back here the blade's gonna push it down, it's gonna contact that, and it should keep the rest of it back down. It's not like the whole thing's gonna be trying to lift up. If anything, sure. it's gonna be trying to push the middle down.
1: Um I so, gotta be honest with you, you may not even have to put a relief if it's only 50 thousandths. Mm-hmm. Like I've just found with these subliners that I'm doing my relief is like 43 thousandths. Yeah, and it's like a soft enough lock release that like if it was just 50 because mm-hmm. the whole thing is 50. Mm -hmm. I bet you I bet you that you wouldn't even have to relieve it
0: yeah Um, probably not uh the only reason I would want to relieve it is just to have a focused bend point um, uh anything but yeah like you said it may not even be necessary it's going to get much thicker back here um this whole section back here at least with how it's drawn right now there's like one hundred and forty thousand. Uh, so it's going to get thicker as it goes. I was even thinking of, of possibly even just surfacing the whole lock bar to where it matches one all of this big
1: one. Yeah, that would look cool. Uh, a lot of, so, a lot, a little bit extra work though. And like weird work holding for a thin part, you know?
0: Yeah. That's the only thing. Um, if I do, uh, this side, you can see like how it's all surfaced inside. So this whole area is essentially just an offset of the edge. Um, mm-hmm or the primary. And then this, this section is just the edge. And then I threw a radius here for the tool. Um, I need to finalize some of this detail up here, but this is essentially what the inside of the integrals look like the welded ones that I did. Yep. Uh, It was essentially exactly the same, but I added a, I added a a big pocket in here. I don't even know how that happened, but that actually worked out really
1: well. Um, Does any part of you just for weight purposes, like want to eliminate that offset surface all the way up until where it encapsulates the blade in the closed position just for weight reasons
0: yeah like so that's how the relief was that's how the relief was on um the integrals it this whole entire section was pocketed out all the way up until like a hundredth thou wall right here
1: so mm. it almost went
0: almost it went almost up to this edge um and that would actually if i got rid of this edge right here then i would be able to close it before it's sharpened yeah for sure nice so there's a few things um i'm gonna f- try and finalize some of these details but i definitely need to start cutting some more parts so i'm i'm i might just work on and focus on blades this week because the check fixture is ja- done i got to make the other actual fixture to hold the blades and i think while i'm doing that i can finalize all the details on the frame design
1: yeah um, i mean just get the cycle if that's what, where most of your attention needs to lie and the machine, you know and then those blades, yeah. you probably have like 20 or 25 minutes, 30 minutes a piece by the time you cut everything mm-hmm. to like good enough cycle time to really get into the CAD and finalize it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, this would probably only take me a couple hours to really nail and dial all this stuff in, fix some of this and um, add the pockets. Uh, but I don't I, I mean, I don't really want to just have it sitting here. I mean, we talked about, you know, trying not to just run stuff just to run stuff, but I have stuff here that needs to run. So I might as just well run. run it, just run
1: it, you know. <laughs>
0: I think yeah, yeah, probably blades this week. Maybe do that and then do the CAD work on this. I think that would be a good plan because I don't want to do the next op on the pocket clips yet because I got to make soft jaws and do that stuff. So I'm probably going to wait until I finish all the op ones on the frames and then just do soft draw work uh, for a week or so. Finish all the outside because there's nothing critical on the outside of the frames. All this is really just surface surfacing. Uh, yeah, it's
1: just aesthetic shit.
0: Yep, that's all it is. And all the tool paths are already dialed from the one that I sent you. Perfect, man. Really good. Well, it sounds like you you got
1: a good week ahead of you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think I'm excited to see these things come to fruition. I know that um, I'm gonna be walking over to your table and buying one of those sons of guns. So make sure you got at least one good one there for me. I know. I'm. I'm thinking about that too because I don't know how all the show stuff
0: works. You know, somebody mentioned, oh yeah, you gotta. There's gonna be awards and everything. And so is there. I don't know if there's going to be any at this show. Um, I would imagine if they are, it's probably going to be before the show opens. They're going to probably go through and do all that stuff. I don't yeah, I don't know.
1: It's tough to say. Sometimes you like a customer will buy a knife and you'll say, hey, I want to enter this in the awards portion of the show. Uh, judging is like at five o'clock. Can I hang on to it and then give it to you when the show's over or whatever? I don't yeah, know how true. Oz will do it. I mean, it makes probably the most sense to me to have it done ahead of time. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, who knows how they're going to handle it?
0: Yeah, because I think there's going to be like an hour or so where everybody can kind of mingle before the doors open.
1: Yeah, I mean that's nice because you yeah. want an hour or two hours to be able to like get your table set up and like, <laughs> you know, dick around and chit chat with your buddies and all that stuff. So yeah,
0: yeah, it sounded like some of that was even so that we can just get stuff from each other too. So it should be cool. I'm really excited for the show. Um, I got to yeah, buy my man. ticket this week. Um, flights from here are like 340 bucks or something from. That's the- not from bad State. at all. And that's from Santa Ana Airport, John Wayne straight into indie. Um
1: wow, so straight up. That
0: airport's way better than LAX. Uh you can get from your car to your gate in like five minutes. Uh, really? So it's it's much better than LAX. So I'm gonna probably just do that. Um I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do for a room. Um uh, I gotta get my room still uh I Joe's gonna go too it sounds like maybe really go
1: in and crash. Yeah. Dude, so, that's awesome. I would kind of wish I did ship. I kind of wish I didn't know that so that I could like start surprised yeah. as hell it'd be great to see him um no, that would be
0: cool yeah maybe we'll just get a room together too or something trying to save some costs so yeah like so,
1: i said i'm crashing with logan or else i would just get an airbnb with you guys but uh yeah, yeah if you'd actually if you do decide to uh like if you guys do look for airbnbs or anything and you had an extra room you're trying to fill because my wife is coming which i mean staying mm-hmm. with logan is great but i think he's like 30 or 35 minutes away mm-hmm. and so i would be willing to jump on you know, grabbing an Airbnb with you guys, if there was an extra spot. So just keep me in there. I'll look into
0: that. Yeah. I'll check. I'll probably check today on that. Um, and let you know, yeah, my wife was going to come too, but we got the kids. Um, so she doesn't want to leave the kids for a couple of days or two, three days. So probably totally understand she's that man Just out and bum it. So anyways, yeah, it's getting, getting, uh,
1: to that point right now. I think we got a pretty solid week coming up. I know you're going to be out, but. I'm jealous of you, man. I got so much stuff that I want to be doing, which is like, I appreciate getting out and spreading my wings and seeing my people. Mm -hmm. But typically after like 24 to 36 hours of that, I am like itching to get back into work. That's so I I honestly have to like really mentally prepare myself to like cut loose for three days Mm -hmm. because if I don't like that anxiety sets in and like, I will not have a good time. So as long as I can get my shit done today and get it shipped out and like, you know, sign off on it and like, I'll find a way to be okay with it, but it's definitely hard to disconnect. Nice. Yeah. It sounds fun though. Yeah, man, cool. no doubt. Well, cool. I appreciate the conversation as always guys. I We appreciate you guys listening. It's hard to believe that we've already got three of these episodes under our belt. I think it's uh starting to feel a bit more natural. I'm waiting more doing a better job of waiting for you to finish talking before talking over you as my <laughs> wife would say. Um, I know Your I got a little longer. Yeah. She'll call me out. You know, she did say there was like a little, she could hear a hum in my audio, which maybe you, oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't hear it until she had it like in her, in her van. I don't know if it's her van speakers, mm-hmm. maybe, but uh, it, I did hear a little bit of interference on my end. So I don't know if that is the case, but I, you're so neurotic about it that I feel like you would have noticed it. If, if it was something, I can't really hear anything.
0: Um, I think Streamyard's probably pulling some out. If you're listening to like your own audio on your own recording, then it might uh, hear it. But if you're just playing it back, I can't. I can't really hear anything. So, cool. Yeah, audio is really Sweet. good. We some good feedback on that, so that's cool. I just. I got to figure out. These, I got to get some good like plug-in lights, um, and do that. But yeah, it's way more natural
1: for sure. I think it's been. It's good. Sweet man. So. Well, I appreciate you and uh, guys. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, mm-hmm. Look forward to catching up with you next week. And uh, as always, uh, try and stay on task and kick ass this week, bro. Yeah. You too, man. Thanks,
0: dude. Later. Take care, homie.